Welcome to the Daily Devotions Podcast from Confident Faith. I am Corey J. Mahler, a contributor here at Confident Faith, and I will be your reader today, this third Sunday in Lent, the 3rd of March, in the year of our Lord, 2024, in the time of Easter. There are no feasts, festivals, or commemorations on the calendar today. Our readings for today are Psalm 129, Psalm 73, Psalm 102, Genesis starting with chapter 27, verse 30, and reading through chapter 28, verse 22, Mark chapter 9, verses 1 through 13, and paragraphs 39 through 47 of Article 2 of the Solid Declaration of the Formula of Concord. We will close, as always, with the Lord's Prayer. Today's first reading from the Psalter is the 129th Psalm. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, let Israel now say. Greatly have they afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. The Lord is righteous, he has cut the cords of the wicked. May all who hate Zion be put to shame and turn backward. Let them be like the grass on the housetops, which withers before it grows up, with which the reaper does not fill his hand, nor the binder of sheaves his arms. Nor do those who pass by say, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's second reading from the Psalter is the 73rd Psalm. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them, and find no fault in them. And they say, How can God know? Is their knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean, and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken, and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant, I was like a beast toward you. 
Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's third reading from the Psalter is the 102nd Psalm. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke, and my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass and is withered. I forget to eat my bread. Because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I am like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I am like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. All the day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. For I eat ashes like bread, and mingle tears with my drink. Because of your indignation and anger, for you have taken me up, and thrown me down. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. You will arise and have pity on Zion. It is the time to favor her. The appointed time has come. For your servants hold her stones dear, and have pity on her dust. Nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will fear your glory. For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute, and does not despise their prayer. Let this be recorded for a generation to come, so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord, that he look down from his holy height. From heaven the Lord looked at the earth, to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die, that they may declare in Zion the name of the Lord, and in Jerusalem his praise, when peoples gather together, and kingdoms to worship the Lord. He has broken my strength in mid-course. He has shortened my days. O my God, I say, take me not away, in the midst of my days, you whose years endure throughout all generations. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away but you are the same, and your years have no end. The children of your servants shall dwell secure. Their offspring shall be established before you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Amen. 
Today's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Genesis, and we will be reading from verse 30 of the 27th chapter through verse 22 of the 28th chapter. And as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, Esau his brother came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate of it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully, and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac his father answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while, until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take as your wife from there, one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you, and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you, and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away, and he went to Paddan Aram, to Laban the son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob and Esau's mother. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there, and that as he blessed him he directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. 
and that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and gone to Paddan Aram. So when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac his father, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalah, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebaioth. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place, and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head, and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head, and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading comes from the book of Mark, and we will be reading the ninth chapter, verses 1 through 13. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God, after it has come with power. And after six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen, until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said, Elijah does come first to restore all things, and how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's reading from the Book of Concord comes from the Solid Declaration of the Formula of Concord, and we will be reading Article 2, paragraphs 39 through 47. Even in this life, the regenerate advance to the point that they want to do what is good and love it, and even do good and grow in it. Still this, as stated above, is not of our will and ability, but of the Holy Spirit. Paul himself speaks about this, saying that the Spirit works such willing and doing, Philippians 2.13. Also in Ephesians 2.10, he credits this work to God alone, when he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In Dr. Luther's small catechism it is written, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord, or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In the explanation of the second petition of the Lord's Prayer, the following words occur. How is this done? When our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit, so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word, and lead a godly life here in time and there in eternity. These testimonies state that by our own powers we cannot come to Christ. God must give us His Holy Spirit, by whom we are enlightened, sanctified, and thus brought to Christ, through faith and kept with Him. No mention is made either of our will or cooperation. To this we will add a passage in which Dr. Luther later declared personally, with a solemn protest that he intended to persevere in this teaching unto the end. In his confession concerning Christ's Supper he says, I herewith reject and condemn as sheer error all doctrines that glorify our free will as diametrically contrary to the help and grace of our Savior Jesus Christ. Outside of Christ, death and sin are our masters, and the devil is our God and Lord, and there is no power or ability, no cleverness or reason, with which we can prepare ourselves for righteousness and life, or seek after it. On the contrary, we must remain the dupes and captives of sin, and the property of the devil, to do and to think what pleases them, and what is contrary to God and His commandments. In these words Dr. Luther, of blessed and holy memory, credits our free will with no power at all to qualify itself for righteousness or strive after it. But he says that a person is blinded and held captive to do only the devil's will, and to do what is contrary to God the Lord. Therefore, there is no cooperation of our will in a person's conversion, a person must be drawn and born anew by God. Otherwise, there is no thought in our hearts that of itself could turn to the Holy Gospel for the purpose of accepting it. Dr. Luther also wrote this way in his book, The Bondage of the Will, in opposition to Erasmus. Luther clarified and supported this position well and thoroughly. Afterward, he repeated and explained it in his glorious commentary on the book of Genesis, especially on Genesis 26. Luther's meaning and understanding about some other peculiar disputed points introduced here and there by Erasmus, as of absolute necessity and such, have been firmly stated by him in the best and most careful way 
against all misunderstanding and perversion. We also appeal to this book and refer others to it. This is teaching incorrectly, to assert that an unregenerate person still has so much power that he can desire to receive the gospel and to be comforted by it, and that the natural human will cooperates somehow in conversion. For such an erroneous opinion is contrary to the holy, divine scripture, the Christian Augsburg Confession, its Apology, the Small Cult Articles, the Large and the Small Catechisms of Luther, and other writings of this excellent, highly enlightened theologian. This doctrine about the inability and wickedness of our natural free will and about our conversion and regeneration, that it is God's work alone and not from our powers, is impiously, shamefully, and maliciously abused in an unchristian way by both enthusiasts and the Epicureans. As a result of their speeches, many people have become disorderly and dissolute. They have grown idle and lazy in all Christian exercises of prayer, reading, and devout meditation. They say that, since they are unable by their own natural powers to convert themselves to God, they will always strive against God with all their might, or will wait until God converts them by force against their will. Or, since they can do nothing in these spiritual things, and since everything is the work of God and the Holy Spirit alone, they will regard, hear, or read neither the word nor the sacrament. But they will wait until God, without means, instills into them his gifts from heaven, so that they can truly feel and see in themselves that God has converted them. Other discouraged hearts might perhaps fall into difficult thoughts and doubts about whether God has chosen them and will work his gifts also in them through the Holy Spirit. They do this especially when they are aware of no strong, intense faith, and sincere obedience in themselves, but only of weakness, fear, and misery. This concludes our reading from the Book of Concord. I now invite all of you to join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer, one of the most ancient prayers of the Church. I do encourage you to say it aloud if you are somewhere it would be reasonable to do so, but praying it silently is, of course, also fine. The Lord knows what is in your heart. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace and grace to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whatever calling has been given you, or task set before you. Until tomorrow, God be with you.